0: Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grave does not win. The grave never wins. Death never is the end. Grave clothes don't matter. They always come off. You're always clothed in Jesus Christ. Romans 6, do you not know that those of you buried in baptism with Jesus know that because He rose from the grave, you too who have taken on Christ will also rise. And now you are no longer clothed yourself, but you are clothed in Christ. So it does not matter. Death doesn't win. Cancer doesn't win. Suicide doesn't win. Nothing in this world wins. Ever. Jesus always wins. He is the perennial favorite returning for season after season. Knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt you might as well not even hold the contest because if it's between Jesus and Satan, Jesus always wins. Right? Right? And that's what gives us the good news. That is what gives us hope. That is what allows us to swing our feet out from the bed, onto the floor, each and every day and say, Okay, God, you got this, right? Because this, this stinks. Sin stinks. Sickness Stinks. Indecision and 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 things that aren't clear—it stinks. Oppression—it stinks. Unloving uh, neighbors—they stink. People around us that don't give a second—they stink. And Jesus says, "I got it. I got it. You, You have nothing to worry about. You have nothing at all." To worry about, you see, heaven is our home. And we're just, we're just journeymen here. We're just going through life as God has us go. And some of us have jobs and some of us don't. And some of us have families and some of us don't. And some of us have seemingly perfect health and some of us don't. And some of us are, are awake with five or six hours of sleep and others of us need 10, 12, 14 hours. I'm talking about infants here. Uh, right? Some of you go, see, Pastor said I could sleep 12 hours. Now. You see, this is temporary. So I don't know what you're dealing with. We're all dealing with stuff. We're all dealing with family. We're all dealing with sickness. We're all dealing with our own sin. We're all dealing with depression or oppression. We're all dealing with things that, that we hear messages from the outside, and, and they're so convincing, or else we've heard them for so long, they just beat us down and we just go, "Fine, I guess that's who I am." But I'm telling you this: Here's the greatest news you'll ever. Here's the most miraculous thing you will ever hear. Death and this world don't win. They don't. And this is the greatest part of this miraculous story, is that Jesus, who is alive during this story, who is not himself yet crucified, who is not himself yet placed in a tomb, who himself has not yet conquered conquered death in the grave, personally, he gives us a glance of what the last day is going to look like. Not through his own death and resurrection, but through his friend Lazarus. See, the story starts out that Jesus is away a couple of miles in Bethsaida. And the word comes to him and says, Lazarus is sick. And he says, basically, don't worry about it. I'll get there when I can. And he dies. And I'm sure many of you have felt that before, where you go, God, you know what's going on in my my family's life. You know what's going on in my life. And I've prayed. And I've said, God, will you intervene? And he says, well, I, I got it. Don't worry. And then it happens. I mean, it seems like God has waited way too long. And we respond just like they do in Scripture. You know, Lord, if, if you'd have showed up, could have been all different. Mary says it. Martha says it. Both sisters say it. God, if you'd have just showed up, And see, that's where this story, this miracle happens. And we go, we get a glimpse on the outside, being able to look at it and go, you know what? God is working here. He just doesn't work the way we work. He just, he he sees things from a completely different sphere, a, a completely different time dimension, if you will, even. Sees it as an opportunity to show how loving and compassionate and gracious He is. All we get caught up in is the pain and the suffering and the death. Well here, here's the good news folks. The reason you got the good news, the story, the gospel at the beginning is because it demands a response. If we believe that this greatest miracle of all time is that death is conquered, that there is nothing that can beat, Jesus, if we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have hope for tomorrow because we believe in the resurrection and that no pain or suffering or tears can ever get in the way, if we know all of that, then what does it demand of us? You know what it demands of us? It demands that we live. It demands that we don't grouse around talking about our ailments or or what we're lacking or how much pressure we're under. No, I'm not saying we can't share those in confidence with people. We can't share those with people who lift us up in prayer. Absolutely, do those things. But dear Christian, live! I mean, wait, wait, right? The end is done. The rest of the story is written and known. So until then, live! Live in His grace. Live in His power. Live in your own weakness and let His power be sufficient for you. You see, when the story starts, friends, there's a dead guy. It doesn't get much worse than that. There's not much more horrible news that Jesus could have received. Death. It's over. It's so over that the professional mourners have been called in. Yeah, first century Palestine, that's what happens. Mary and Martha, they're kind of at home, right? They're crying. They have other people. The Jews are around. They're usually professional mourners. They're paid to wail and cry loudly. Sure, there's friends around. There's there's extended family to, to actually mourn, but... But in order to live, dear Christian, we need to understand what it means to live in Christ. We need to understand what it means to know that the end doesn't win, that death doesn't win, that that pain and suffering doesn't win, that, that we're alive in Jesus Christ. And so what does that look like to be alive today? Well, I think our story shows us what the Christian's response to living out this faith is. First of all, We cry. That's what it means to live out our faith. Scripture encourages us, mourn with those who mourn. And cry with those who cry. Show mercy and compassion. Showing love and forgiveness the thousands of generations, that that you are an extension of God's mercy. It doesn't mean we we get rid of the law. It doesn't mean that we we somehow don't apply rules anymore, that we live some loosey-goosey life. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying that we live in grace, and some of that grace means we hurt when other people hurt. That's what it means to live it out, because you know what? Some of us spend so much time and energy trying to avoid being hurt, Avoid being in pain. Avoid being alone. Avoid being things that we think are just negative and painful and hurtful. We spend so much time and energy on that that we forget that sometimes God uses the pain in our lives as a megaphone to get our attention. That's what C.S. Lewis wrote concerning how do we Understand and justify that sometimes God allows pain and suffering in our life. Here we see Jesus crying. I think it's so that we know it's okay to cry. It's okay when people mourn to mourn with them. It's okay. It's tough though, right? It's tough when people are down or you seem to be down so much and and people don't want to come around that. But dear Christian, we know that presence makes an impact in the lives of people. You don't have to say anything. Every time I teach the elders about how to make a hospital call or a home visit, I can see their eyes get really big going, we haven't been to the seminary, we might not know what to say. And I always tell them, Here, here's number one. Shut up. And they're like, no, 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 we have to be able to say, shut up. <laughs> Close your mouth. Shut it. Just be there. Just be there. And if they cry, you cry with them. And if they need a hug, you hug them. And if they're quiet, you're quiet. Why? Because we know it doesn't last forever. We know that in the book of, uh, of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Jesus says there's a time for everything. There is a time and a season for mourning. But there's also a time for joy. And there's also a time when they're going to wipe away all of those painful times. And you're going to get to stand next to somebody and be there for the joy as well. You're going to get to be a part of all that God is doing that is great and gracious. But dear Christian, we have to be willing to cry. Verse 21, Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Here I want you to understand That this is one of the Bible verses we use in understanding theologically, I mean deep theology here, that says, why do we pray in Jesus' name? This is one of the verses that we use. Because we understand, Martha completely understood that when you ask things, when Jesus asks for things to happen, they happen. We have this little excursus between Jesus and God the Father. Well, hey, I, I, I said it for the benefit of those listening, Jesus says. Because I know you give me what I ask for. There are other Bible verses. We understand that Jesus is the intercessor between God and man. So that we know we pray in Jesus' name because that is the name that is above every name. That at that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord on the last day. You see, that's the name that has power. And this verse helps us understand that the reason we pray in Jesus' name is because he gets stuff done. Now, how many of you like to be around somebody that gets stuff done? Right? That's right. I like it. Get stuff done, Jesus. Get her done. For some of you that need to hear it done that way. Can you imagine a prayer as simple as, Dear Jesus, get her done. You know what? I think he'd love that. The Christian, we pray. Right? We mourn with those who mourn, but, but the Christian prays. The one that lives in hope and anticipation of the resurrection of the dead prays in Jesus' name and trusts that Jesus will answer according to his time and in his will. And he may answer you no. Know. He may say, I'm not taking the cancer away. I'm not going to extend your life. I'm not going to restore and repair a marriage that necessarily seems broken. You go, God, I can't believe you're not going to do that. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We don't understand what is going on. That's the challenge. Is to pray. And not ask for what I want, but God, I want to pray in Jesus' name that Jesus would do what Jesus is going to do. Not, hey, equip me to better handle this or give me more wisdom or, or make me stronger or make me more courageous. I'm not saying those are bad things to pray for, but I think we need a little tweak on that. Lord, live in me through in Jesus Christ in order that I may understand that in my weakness, your strength is all I need. See, it's not that I need to be stronger. It's that Christ who lives in me is all the strength I need. It's a little switch in that prayer. It's a faithful prayer that says, I trust and I believe. Martha said, I know. When Jesus says, Your brother will rise again, and she says, I know. I know that again in the resurrection, He will rise on the last day. Do you understand that this deep theological topic, Jesus hasn't died yet. He hasn't been resurrected yet. They don't even know that Jesus is the one that makes this all possible, but he's already teaching the fact that the resurrection is going to happen. And people by faith are already accepting that as truth and fact. I love that. I love that that deep Theological teaching is already out there. Yeah, the grave doesn't win. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. It could have been written like this. He who believes in me now today will live for eternity even though he dies in body today. That's what Jesus is saying. So the body may die. It may go the way of old age. It may go the way of an accident, uh, the way of some disease. It may go that way. The body's going to die. But those who believe in the resurrection in Jesus Christ will live forever. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Could have been written this way. And he who lives and believes in me today never die for eternity that's great news which means dear christian how do we live today we live as if we are bulletproof we we live as if you know what (laughs) i'm gonna take the step forward i'm gonna walk out in faith i'm gonna trust that god has got this whole show all put together because if it's my time it's my time I love the Aussies and the Brits, right? No worries, mate. And I've just mixed both Aussie and English right there, and I've just offended two continents, okay? But I love the phrase, no worries. Why? Because I know the end. There's absolutely nothing. Well, oh, but if I go, what about my kids? They'll be taken care of. What if I never get to walk my daughter down the aisle? Somebody will. And that pains us, right? That pains us to think that we won't be there. But you know what? God is bigger than all of that. Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. That's what I believe. That's what a Christian believes each and every day. She says this. He hasn't died and rose from the dead yet. She knows it as a fact of faith now and today. And she professes that. This is what I believe. You are the resurrection. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Not me. Life doesn't come through me. Life doesn't come through bettering myself. Life doesn't come because I'm more humble. Life doesn't come because I know more scripture. It comes from knowing and believing in Jesus Christ, and He lives in you. Don't complicate this thing, Christian. Sorrow when other people sorrow. Pray diligently. Having a faith that is firm in the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to live today. Mary, Mary comes and says, Lord, if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. Jesus saw her weeping. Where have you laid him? Come and see. And Jesus wept. Now, in English, yes, this is the shortest verse in all of Scripture. Two words. It's not actually the shortest verse if you know your Hebrew Okay, and so I know many of you are up on that, and, and so there are uh, several places in the Old Testament where there are one-word verses. Okay, so I just want to let you all know. So you can, there's a little trivia for you today. You know, there are people that confirmation comes around. They say, pick your Bible verse, right? And I always have kids, because they know I'm probably going to ask them to recite it. And they're like, um, I would like John 11:35, And I'm like, ha, ha, nice. No. Until now. We have a deep theological understanding with this simple verse. That Jesus knows your pain. He knows your suffering. And it grieves his soul. It grieves him. We do not believe in a God that is somehow disconnected from our pain, as if heaven is such this glorious place and all the angels are attending to him and it's just, you know, wonderful praise music all the time. And so Jesus somehow loses sight of the fact of our pain and suffering. No, he weeps. And that's deep. And I want you to forget that, that I believe in a God that cries when I cry. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The answer is yes, he could have. He chose not to. Deeply moved, take the stone away, he says. But Lord, by this time, his body has been in there four days. It is stanky. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And there we have the clue. That God allows pain and suffering in our lives so that His Father's name might be glorified. Understand that, dear one. That God counts you worthy to show at the end of whatever trial and tribulation you are going through to give God's name, honor, and glory during it, through it, and after it. That God has counted you worthy to be a bold proclaimer that He is the Almighty. Take away the stone. Father, I know that you've heard me, and I thank you for that. Lazarus, come out. Isn't that glorious? Lazarus, by name. Lazarus, come out. David, come out. That's what's going to happen on the last day. And it doesn't matter. If your loved one's cremated, I'm pretty sure Jesus can speak their name, and all those particles going to come back together. That's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be glorious, right? I've always said one place I wanna be at a cemetery, eating lunch on the last day when Jesus comes back, because I wanna see all the dead people come out of the grave. I do. And I'm not gonna be spooked, there's no worries. There's no worries. Because at that point, I know what's going on, I know the end, I've read the last page. Right? And so anything else leading up to it, it's just gravy. It's just good. It's just going, all right, God, let's see what your hand is. Because I don't know what you're doing. I don't have to know anymore. I just know you're working. I know you're loving. I know you're moving. And there is nothing, nothing, in all of this world that can separate us from the love of God, right? My sin can't separate us. Death can't separate. Sickness can't separate. The world who attacks and tries to slay me can't separate. And pressure and, and debt and all of these things that can weigh down and make you spend sleepless nights. It doesn't matter. Jesus wins. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 12. 15, that's what I said. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. What that means is the perishable, us, need to be clothed with the imperishable. That's being clothed in Jesus Christ. And the mortal with the immortality. So our dead bodies are mortal, right? We're dying. We're in a state of decay. We need to be clothed with immortality. That's Jesus. Because when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, When us who are dying have been clothed with Jesus and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death, sin. The power of sin, law. But thanks be to God because He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory over it all. To him be the honor and glory for it all. Amen.